I want you to go in your Bibles, Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, we're starting a brand new series today. Joshua chapter 6, uh, we're going to continue a conversation we started at our church conference uh, about the sound of the believer. Joshua chapter 6, verse 20 says, when the trumpets sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. How many people? Everyone. Not just the captains, not just the pastors, not just the leader. It says everyone charged right in, and they took the city. I want you to know this as a church. We say this all the time. We believe this. We're settling for nothing less than city transformation. We're not looking for more campuses, full buildings, big crowds. We're looking for a city to be transformed by the love of Jesus, by the gospel of Jesus, by the good news of Jesus Christ. This Old Testament passage talks about the city Jericho that the children of Israel were on their way to the promised land and had to conquer. And I want you to know this is you will have obstacles on your way to purpose. There is, there, there, it is inevitable that when you decide to live for God and pursue his purpose that there will be some type of obstacle in your way. And the people of Israel were confronted with a decision, do we pass Jericho by and let them be? Or do we overtake them, overpower them, and conquer and take the city? I just want you to know churches for generations have been content to settle in cities that they don't conquer. But I believe this, this city, our city, your city, needs to be conquered by the love of Jesus. We're settling for nothing less than city transformation. We're not content to just be a little hideout from the rest of the world. We are called as a church to infiltrate the world's systems, the world's thinking, the world culture. Not to make them think like we think, but to give and to release the good news of the gospel to those who are in need. We have an unshakable commitment to see our cities transformed. I want to talk about how this happens, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. When I was talking with the boys last night, um, I, I, I started telling them about Acts chapter 2. And uh, I, was, I started preaching my message to them last night to see if it would work. And uh, let's just say it needs a little help, okay? It was either their bad or my bad. I don't know. I'm going to say it was theirs. Acts chapter 2 is, is the birthing of the early church. So it's, it's the beginning. In, 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 Bi- in the Bible, in Scripture interpretation, there's a law called the law of first mention. It means that the first time that something is introduced, talked about, that it sets an irreplaceable pattern. Or it sets a precedent that any time where you find that same occurrence in Scripture, you go back to the first time to help you understand or to decide what the meaning is. So the first time something happens is very important. So all the way back in the beginning of your Bible, in the book of Genesis, it's important how the world started because there is a law of first mention about how that happened. When the church of Jesus Christ was birthed, it happened in Acts chapter 2. So I think it's important for us to look at today what is the, what is the, the, the first mention, what is the beginnings of the early church. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together With one accord in one place. This means not that they were just in the same house. They were of the same mind. 
They were united in purpose. They were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, how many were filled? I like to make mention when the Bible says all, because it's usually those places that the Bible says all that people like to look at and say, but me? And that's why it says all, okay? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The first thing that God gave the early church was a sound. So I want you to look at the law of first mention that the, that the first thing that happened was that there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, now back in the day um, when I was growing up, it was, it was cool to have massive sound system in your car. So when Jamie and I started dating, um, I had some of the biggest speakers that you've ever seen in the back of my Chevrolet Tahoe. And you couldn't like fit anything else in there. It was all speakers. And that's the way I liked it. And, and I thought I had this idea that like she is going to like, she's going to love this. Like I'm a she's going to hear me coming before I show up. She's going to think I'm so cool. See, I mean, just like, man, hear that bass just thumping. I mean, it's just, it, it, and needless to say, it, it didn't work. But I'll say this. There is always a sound that comes before a move. That, that, that God always announces something before he does something. We say this, that the word of the Lord makes room for the work of the Lord, that, that God throughout Scripture announces what he's about to do and then does it. it you never find God just doing something. There, there's always a sound, a prophecy, a foretelling, a moment where there's a sound that announces what God is about to do. Now listen, there is a difference between noise and sound. What we're talking about today, although the definitions are very similar, what I want you to see today is that, that noise can be accidental. But what I'm talking about is not a decibel volume, but I'm talking about an intentional sound that comes from the life of a man or woman of God. An intentional sound that says there's something that comes from my life. Because I'm concerned that we have a church and we have Christians that have no sound. They're silent. They have no voice. How is the world going to know you have something if you can't speak? How is the world going to ever know about good news if nobody has the voice to be able to tell them? I, I remember when I was, started playing football and I was fifth grade. And I'm um, not too tall now, but I, I grew later in life. So in fifth grade, it was like everyone was like, help this kid. And uh, I was out there and I had experience. And if you don't know about this, it's very frightening the first time it happens. I had the wind knocked out of me. And so if, if you don't know what happens when, when that happens, you think you're dying. You just think, like, I can't breathe. I'm just. I laid there staring up at the sky and trying to breathe. It felt like months. I'm just laying like, this is how I'm going to go. This is it. I'm trying to scream. Nothing's happening. And I see out of the corner of my eye my coach running. He runs over, he, he grabs me by my belt, picks me up, picks my waist off the ground, and it opened up my lungs. And I, I could breathe again. You know what's interesting? I could see what was happening. I, could, I was there. I could understand what's happening. I just had no voice. 
I had no ability to speak. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me this week that, 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 that the enemy knows exactly where and how to hit you, to knock the wind out of you, to rob you of your voice. It could have been 2020. It could have been a pandemic. It, it could have been a trauma. It could have been a friend. It could have been a broken relationship. Someone broke your trust. It, it, it could be an expectation of God that you thought he didn't come through on. And, and, it, and, it, and it knocks the, the wind out of you. You're there. You're in service. You can see. But there's no sound that comes from your life. There, there's no impact. You're here. There's just nothing. There's nothing coming from your life. If people check the sound of most churches, they would think that we were dead or we're losing. Because, because silence manifests itself in two places. Silence manifests itself in death, right? When you go to a funeral, someone's passed, that's not a loud occasion, celebrating, clapping. It's, it's in honor of someone passing, there is silence. Also, when you're losing. When, when, when you've ever been in a stadium and your team is losing, you, you don't want to have somebody, like, cheering during that time. That doesn't, it doesn't feel good. That, that happened to me, speaking of football, when I was growing up. We had cheerleaders that didn't, like, connect to the score on the game. <laughs> we lost one of our high school playoff games uh, in, in the final two minutes. We lost the game. We were distressed. We were uh, discouraged. I remember walking off the field, and the cheerleaders were, like, doing their thing. And cheering. And then one of them turned to me and said, did we win? I'm like, that's it. That's it. I'm out. I'm out. I got to go. I got to go. This is it. This is. Because when you're, when you're losing, it's usually accompanied by silence. And I'm wondering if the world doesn't look at the church and just think either the church is dead or the church is losing. And I want you to know something, that if you are, you are a part of the body of Christ, you are not losing. If you're fighting a battle that you shouldn't be fighting, you might lose. But if you're in Christ, you are more than a conqueror through him who called you. In fact, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. If you are united with Christ, I read the back of the book, and the back of the book says you win. So if I'm united with him, I don't fight from defeat. There's a sound that comes from my life. It's a sound of victory. It's a sound of joy. We don't fight or strive for victory. We fight from a place of victory. That we know that in the end, God will have his way. That God will move. You know, really sound is a sign of life. You know, when a baby is born... When the first thing that they do, or the first thing that they're looking for, the doctor, is they're looking to hear baby cry. It's, it's, it's a sound that says, it, 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 it sounds like the baby's in pain. If you've ever been in that room and hear it, it's like, whoa, that does not sound good. Like, we got, but it's a good sign to anybody that's looking for the sign of life. What's happening is a transition process from the womb and being connected to mom to the outside world where now oxygen is filling its lungs. And when they scream, when they cry, it's the beginning of their lungs functioning and beginning to breathe in oxygen because they have been on all, they've been on life support. They've been on mom's, you know, most believers are still on mom's support. They have never gotten outside of the womb of protection and care and tenderness like a little baby 
and stepped into real life and real world and understood that I can, I can make a sound. I don't have to rely on my church. I don't have to rely on my pastor. That I, as a man of God, as a woman of God, I can make a sound. The word of God can come alive to me. God can speak to me. God can use my life. I'm anointed. You're anointed. We're anointed. That God's not relegated just to leaders and platform people. God wants to use us. Now, I'm just worried that we got believers that are only relying on other people to make a sound from their life that they should be making for themselves. You know, in the book of Genesis, all the way back at the creation of the world, the first thing God did, anybody know this? First thing God did is God spoke. So there was sound before there was light. He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. So we see even the law of first mention all the way book, back in the book of Genesis is the first thing that God does is he makes a sound. And the sound announces what is about to happen. Then in the birthing of the early church, the first thing that God does, law of first mention, is he releases a sound. The sound that announces what was about to happen. Your sound, the sound of your heart, the sound of your life, the sound of your passion is powerful. Your, your, your voice can break bondage. The Bible says this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do you know how powerful your words are? I talk to people all the time and says, well, you know, I'm just not really a positive person. Well, you should become a positive person. You should, you, you should start speaking positive words. Man, I'm not into all that positive talk thing. That's why your life's so negative. That's why you don't have any friends. That's why you surround yourself with people that all think the world's going to end and it's going to be for, if we're going to be forever uh, just in, in, in trouble and, and we, God's never going to show. No, I'm going to be around people that say, no, we believe. It might be bad today, but God might be doing something tomorrow. I want somebody that has some faith, that believes we can turn this situation around. I want to believe the God of the word that says what looks impossible to us is possible to God. That is not just positivity. That's what we call faith. And there's a sound that's accompanied with faith. I've been thinking about this. I was at a conference years ago with Bishop T.D. Jakes, and Jam and I were there, and he was talking to a bunch of young pastors. And he started talking to us, and he said, and this was years ago, and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. And the next generation of pastors and preachers he said, you are entitled to thinking you're going to deserve something or get something just because of who you are. He said, if God's really going to use you, then he, and he said this, and I'll never forget. He said, I should hear you coming. He says that, that in the hallway of his life, he should hear the footsteps of the next generation that's, that, that, that's coming after him. I, we should hear the footsteps of the next generation of hungry ones, wild ones, burning ones, men of faith, women of faith, that they're, they're on their way. We don't just get this because we get it. We're just not entitled to what we have. No, God's given us an opportunity to step into all he has, but you got you got to step into it. You've got to lift your voice, find that place, find that sound. What, what, what sound? Let's just talk about that for a second. What, what sound? This is what the Bible says. It says, how beautiful 
are the feet of them that bring good news. So we believe this as a mandate on our house, so really a mandate for the believer is this, that there should be a sound of preaching. Preaching is this, not just from this stage, but it's evangelism. It's for us caring about who sits next to us in the office. It's caring about who our neighbor is. It's, it's understanding that God's given us something, and it's not just for me. That I'm going to share it through my platforms on social media, through my relationships at work with my family. That, 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 that I am going to share this good news. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. Friends, this should be each of us. That we should be good news bearers. That wherever we go, you announce good news. That you bring good news with you. You, whatever environment you're in, that you're bringing the good news of the gospel. Sports teams, athletics, school, education, work, in any sphere where you are, that we are spreading the good news. That's the sound of preaching. If the sound of preaching is only from the platform in the churches, we've missed part of the purpose of preaching. Because preaching should continue in your heart to your sphere of influence. Not just teaching about all the things that you know. Preaching, sharing your life with the good news of what God has done. The sound of preaching, the sound of prayer. This should be a sound that comes from our life. That it should be consistent that, that there is a sound. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is powerful. Some of you say, well, I'm not a righteous person. No, you are right. If you are in Christ, the Bible says that Jesus made us righteous because he took the penalty for our sin. He clothed us in righteousness. So the prayer of the believer is powerful and effective. Do you, do you know what should be a sound that comes from your life when you're outside of these walls or outside of, 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 your, of, of, the, of your little safe spot? Is there should be a sound of prayer. I, I, I appreciate you encouraging people and counseling people, but you should also pray for them. You should make space to allow the power of God to work because when our words run out, God's power can show up. It's, it, it, I just invite him. It could be the smallest thing. It could be the smallest moment. Hey, let me pray for you real quick. And you just ask, the, ask God to touch them. But we, we have a sound. Meet somebody outside of here that's hurt, brokenhearted, wounded, going through a difficult time. Instead of just patting on the back and say, get better, can I pray with you? What we're doing is saying that there is a power that's higher, that's bigger than us. And we're going to call on, that's a sound. A church should have a sound. A believer should have a sound of preaching and a prayer. And we should have a sound of praise. This is what the Bible teaches. It says that God inhabits or makes his dwelling place in our praises. This, this is pretty cool that God would sit down in places where he's praised. So if you want God to be with you, you should, you should praise him. Your praise is not a thank you for what God's done. 
Praise is a thank you for what he will do. Praise is powerful. Gratitude says thank you for what you did today. Praise says, I thank you for what you're going to do tomorrow. I thank you that my family will serve God. I thank you that I will see breakthrough. I thank you that I will make an impact with my life. I thank you that I will steward the gifts of my life in a, in a way that will bring influence to, to, in, in my life and bring glory to your name. I thank you. I praise you. I praise you for who you are. Praise is forward thinking, and it unlocks the power of God. The praise, praise is so powerful. That, that, that it actually is supernatural in its essence. That when you begin to praise God, it's like God wakes up. I praise you, God, that you're on my family. It's like God, like, whoa, okay, I'm supposed to be helping this family. It, it, praise invites God. It, 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 it is, I used to teach on praise. I used to say, praise is not the caboose on the train of your life. Praise is the engine that drives your life, and your life follows along behind your praise of God. Luke chapter 19, verse 40 says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, if the people don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. He's worthy of praise. That's, when we come into worship, I want you to know this about God, or about our services. When you come into service, our worship and praise, it's, it's not for you. It's for him. Worship is the only part of the service that's for him. This preaching, this is for you. Some people say, I'm going to skip worship and get to the word. You're missing the part of the service that is for him. Well, it's just a fast song, two slow songs. and then, No, no, no. That's the part of the service that, that is for him, that we lift him up, that we praise him together collectively, that we give praise that is due his name. And then we preach, and this is for you, for the edification, for the building up of the body. But don't miss worship. Don't miss praise because it's for him. It's for him. To make a sound that transforms a city, we have to do what the early church did. So I want to just look at our text. and I want to just look at, at a couple things that they did that as we close that will kind of usher us in to where I think God wants to move today, to make a sound that transforms the city, we must do what the early church did. And this is what they did. They were expectant. They were expectant. Jesus said this. He said to, the, to his disciples, he said, I want you to go to the upper room, and I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Now, there is a difference between hanging out and waiting on. A lot of believers hang out. But they don't wait on. When you're waiting on, you're expecting something to happen. It should be that we walk into a service and we're just waiting. Is, what's he going to do? Who's he going to heal? What am I going to hear? How's God going to speak? What's going to happen? That's expecting. I'm expecting for what's about to happen. I'm not, just, I'm not just here to check the box and feel better about what I did this weekend. And now I'm here in church and I'll learn a little bit. And this is what I do. Don't let it be just what you do. Be expectant for what God wants to do in this moment. To be expectant, you have to reject the spirit of complacency. Complacency is what works in opposition to my expectancy. When I'm complacent, I'm like, well, you know, just, it's good the way it is. Or I'll just check the box. You know, in, in, in physical fitness, if you give yourself, if you, if you allow yourself to get complacent, you will stop seeing increase or you'll stop seeing gains or you'll stop seeing progress. The body only works 
when you give it opposition. Your muscles only grow when you give them resistance. And for believers, all we're looking for is how to avoid resistance. And that's why we, that's why we are so quiet. That's why we have no voice. That's why we have no backbone. No, resistance makes us strong. It grows your spirit. It increases your capacity. There are some things that you can do right now because you've grown your capacity that if it would have hit you five years ago, it would have taken you out. What happened? Your, your capacity increased. They were expectant. They were together. Together. Not, not just we're all together in the room. This is really important. They were together in purpose. They, they, they came together in unity, all in one accord, which means they were after the same thing. Do you know what would happen in the church if we said that we're going to be after the same thing? Well, I'm here for so-and-so, and I'm here because she brought me, and I'm here. But no, if we went after the same thing, that we want to be obedient to the thing that God's asking us. In, in, in Jericho, the walls didn't fall because just because of their, just because they shouted. The walls fell because God told them to shout, and they shouted. The power is really not in the shout. The power is in obedience. A shout without a command to shout is just noise. A shout in partnership with a command is obedience, and it unlocks power. So what I'm talking about with these sounds, these are sounds that God is commanding us that there would be sound of preaching, sound of prayer, sound of pr praise. So it's not about just being loud or making noise. It's about being obedient to the sound that needs to come from the church of Jesus Christ to impact our cities and our world with this good news. They were together. To be together, you have to reject. I don't want you to get offended by what I say about offense. You have to reject the spirit of offense. You know what will kill a move of God faster than any other thing? Division and offense. Usually offense that leads to division. People get offended so easy. It's time to get out of the womb. It's time to increase your lungs. It's time to grow up. Pastor told me to grow up. Yep, I told you to grow up. It's time to grow up. Hebrews says, train yourself to be godly, which means godliness is not natural and it's not my default. I have to train myself to be godly. I have to work. I've got to give myself to disciplines. I've got to give myself to rhythms to train myself to be. Too many people get offended and it keeps them from the thing that God wants them to do. They can't be in one accord. They can't be in unity because of offense. We were growing up in a church and back in the day we went with my parents, Washington State, and, and we had a guy that got offended. This is, this is a true story. Got offended. He said, Pastor, I came to, no, my dad. He came, my, my pastor, I, I came to church and I tried to say hello to you and you didn't say hi to me. And it was eating him up. Something so small knocked the wind out of his spiritual life. And he's having no voice because someone didn't say hi. That's how, but that's how sneaky offense is. It sounds silly when you hear it about someone else. <laughs> but there might be something that, that you feel that's something we're entitled to. Something that we should, well, we should be here. Why is that person up there? Why is they, they, they get that opportunity? Or why are they here or there? Whoa. You've got to start shedding offense so that you can step into unity. Someone told me a long time ago, they said, Dustin, I don't think 
people are thinking about you as much as you think they are. I was like, whoa, come on. He said, you're so concerned about what other people are thinking. He goes, I honestly, because I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but I don't think people are thinking about you as much as you think that they are. Can I just say this? I don't think people are really trying to hurt you or offend you or talk about you as much as you think they are. And even if they are, you're all right. You're all right. They, they don't have a say on who you are. They don't have a say on your confidence. They don't have, just be you. Be you. Be obedient. Let your life tell the story. Let your fruit prove the haters wrong. Be, still be here in 15 years. And let everybody that said you wouldn't make it look at you and see that you made it. Because you outlasted dysfunction. And you outlasted opposition. Because in order to be in agreement, we have to overcome the spirit of offense. Last one is this is that they were surrendered. They were surrendered. This is so crazy. Acts chapter 2, it says that there was a tongue of fire on each of them, which I was telling that story to my boys last night. Genesis is like, what? I'm like, yeah, I know. When, you, when, you t- when I tell it like this, it does sound really crazy. Like, tongues of fire. It says that they all were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in other tongues, all of them, A-L-L, all of them. And then they spilled out into the street. This is crazy. And there was people from all kinds. It's kind of a melting pot geographically of all kinds of different uh, languages and people. And it says they heard them speaking in their own language. I really believe this is that that heavenly language that they were filled with was not different dialects. It was a heavenly language, but the miracle was not in the speaking. The miracle was in the hearing. Because it says they all begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they're all speaking in tongues. They wander out, and there's somebody that speaks Arabic, and he says, I hear them in Arabic. Someone else says, I, 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 I speak Hebrew, and I hear them speaking in whatever the dialects that were represented. They heard them all in their own language. That's crazy. They were obedient with the sound, and the miracle happened in the people that were listening to their sound. I wonder what would happen if we were faithful with the sound that God gave us. That we wouldn't be so concerned with speaking the language of culture. And we would just be obedient to the sound God put in us. And maybe the miracle would be in the seeker that's looking for God. And they would hear something in their own language. I'm tired of churches trying to be like culture or Christians trying to be like culture and stop announcing the good news of the gospel. Friends, the good news of the gospel still saves, still delivers, still sets free. is still the answer for our cities, for our families, and for America. It still works. The sound of surrender, it would have to be that every one of them, as the Holy Spirit began to move on them, it doesn't say somebody stayed in the upper room. They all were filled. They all went out. I mean, if that was in our churches today, we'd be like, we had an altar call. We had 70% come forward, 30% did not, right? In this next move of God, it cannot be that we're here to observe. It has to be that we are here to participate. So we have to surrender to the thing that God is doing, even if it looks different than what we thought it would look like. I was talking to a guy about the the Asbury University and the revival that had started there. It's been going for weeks now. 
and, and, and they were saying, well, you know, I don't know if this is really, and they're talking about how it was going and how they were managing it. And I'm like, I wanted to, I wanted to really, I wanted to speak like Jesus spoke to the Pharisees to him. Like, you whitewashed sepulcher. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. He said, you, you wash the outside of the cup, but you, don't, you fail to wash the inside, you, inside, you hypocrite. You, you can't handle Jesus' talk. It's all right. That's what I wanted to say. I didn't. I didn't. But how dare we criticize whatever God is doing, wherever he is doing it. I just want to be obedient to surrender to whatever God's doing. God, if you're doing it, I'm in. If you want to move, I'm here to be a part of it. If you want to speak, I'm here to hear it. If you need someone to use, I'm here to be used. I, I'm surrendered to what you're doing. I was in Mexico years ago as a teenager on a mission trip, and uh, we were ministering this little village, and, and um, during the day, before we had service, we were doing VBX, this kid, probably three or four, four or five years old, he ran out into the busy street, and his mom tried to scream to warn him that a car was coming, but she couldn't scream. I guess she had a, a disease in her, in her vocal cords and it had robbed her of all speech. She was unable to speak. And she, you could see her mouth open, but no sound coming out. Luckily, one of our team members saw the kid, ran out into the street, grabbed the kid, and brought him back to safety. The mom drops to her knees and begins to weep. And through sign language, she tells us, she says, this disease has taken my voice, and now I can't even protect my own son. She's weeping. Well, that night, she came into service, and she's still distressed from what had happened. And we had a bunch of crazy teenagers that were like, we want to pray for you, right? And she couldn't say no, because she didn't have a voice. And, no, it's a joke. She, we, had, we had someone do a sign. That's a bad joke, a bad joke. That's not right. She, she said that they could pray for her. And they started praying over her. And nothing happened. They prayed again. Nothing happened. So they're just standing with her. And they just said, we started the service and we started worshiping. So we started worshiping. And they just had their hands on her and, and on her shoulder. And, and uh, so she just put her head up. And you could just see tears, like, going down her face. And she's just crying out to God, worshiping. All of a sudden, it's crazy. She starts getting her voice back and begins worshiping God in this beautiful, like, out loud begins to it was one of the craziest things I ever saw she begins to sing and then she started like she had tears on top of tears after that it was like weeping on top of weeping because now she realizes God's healing her she got her voice back and I was praying this week and I just felt like that's a physical healing but I felt like God wanted to do something spiritually and emotionally in this room today that where the enemy has tried to rob you of sound, rob you of voice, rob you of that ability to speak, to obey the Lord, that, that I, I was believing God's going to heal you today. That literally the power of the Holy Spirit is going to fill you and heal you so that you can make a sound again. Because friends, your family needs to hear the sound of your life. Your, your, your generation, your generation needs to hear the sound of your life. Your coworkers need to hear the sound of your life. This isn't a Enough, just a big church, a bunch of people. We've got to let the world know that there's a sound that's coming from people's lives. A sound. It's crazy. In the Old Testament, Holy Spirit is a Hebrew word, ruach, and it means wind or 
breath. In the New Testament, it's a word in the Greek that's pneuma. That word pneuma means wind or breath. It's interesting that when God sent the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit filled them and then there was a sound. When you get the wind knocked out of you, you have no breath. Can I tell you this? You can't get, you can maybe, but um, the best thing to do is not to try to get your breath back naturally. You need the breath or the wind of God to breathe on your spiritual life, your mental condition, your emotional state, and get your voice back. That you would have a voice that champions and shouts about the goodness of God. That your life would be marred by the preaching of the glorious gospel. By praying to our awesome God. And by praising what he's about to do in your life. That, that, that is what a vibrant church looks like. It's a church that has a sound. I want to ask you to stand up with me all across this place.